Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Today we are starting another feedlot research series, so let me go ahead and call Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, let's let's go ahead and, and get started with our traditional uh, settings for the, the feedlot research. Can you tell us what is the paper that we're going to be talking about today? Who were the authors and where and when it was conducted? Sure. So today we're going to talk about a paper titled Influence of Implant Strategy on Growth Performance and Carcass Characteristics of Calf-Fed Holstein Steers. And this was done by Torrentera and others, uh, published in um, 2017, and it was done down here at the UC Desert Research and Extension Center. Great. So... We've talked. We we are talking about implants right now, and this is uh, actually the same author from the the previous episode that we discussed last month. So last month, just to to catch up a little bit, we talked about different timing of of implanting, right? Different weights of, of mm-hmm. implant, the first implant versus a non-implanting protocol, and mm-hmm. we actually have discussed two in the two previous feedlot research episodes the benefits of implanting. We've mm-hmm. seen that greater in, greater average daily gain, greater dry matter intake, greater feed efficiency when we implant cattle or not. But this study specifically, the authors don't have the, the control non-implanted group. So what they are trying to do is actually testing two different implant strategies, right? Yeah, exactly. They want to look at different frequencies of implanting with it. Okay, so can you go over on details what are the two strategies that they were testing these studies specifically? Sure. So um, just to start off with a little background, they had a total of 240 animals, calf-fed Holsteins, around 250 pounds, Um, And this was a 349-day trial. So they fed them out from start to finish for this entire trial. Um, And the animals were sorted into 40 pens, six animals per pen. So the two implant strategies they used, the first one we'll talk about, we'll call the two-implant strategy. The two-implant strategy implanted the calves on arrival with Encore, which is um, a 43.9 milligram estradiol implant that's long acting. uh, And that was on arrival of the calves. On day 224, they re-implanted with Revlor S, which is 120 milligrams of TBA and 24 milligrams of estradiol. The second uh, implant strategy they used is what we'll call the three implant strategy. For this one, on arrival, they implanted with Sinovec C, which is 100 milligrams of progesterone and 10 milligrams of estradiol benzoate. And then on day 112 and 224, they re-implanted with Revlor S, which was the same second implant in the two implant strategy. Perfect. So two implant versus three implants. Both groups were implanted on arrival, but with different implants. The three implant strategies received a second implant on day 112. And then on day 224, mm-hmm. both groups received the same implant. Is that correct? Yep, that's exactly right. And the animals were kept on feed for almost 350 days. Yep, 
And for the, so they were all fed the same diet as well. Uh, so for the first 112 days, they were fed a diet with 14% crude protein to meet their amino acid requirements. And then for the remainder of the trial, they were fed a diet with 13% crude protein. Great. Great. That's, that's really good. So very large study, 120 animals in each group, uh, 20 pens in each group. So can we go over on the results of this study? Yes. So I'll break it down first, just by time period. We have three main time periods here. So from day zero to 112, they saw no difference in performance between the two treatments. Moving on to day 112 to 224, the three implant strategy increased average daily gain, dry matter intake, and gain efficiency. And then for the final period, day 224 to day 349, average daily gain was not different for this time period. But the three implant strategy did increase dry matter intake, which ended up resulting in a decreased gain efficiency because the average daily gain was the same. Perfect. So, and, and they also the implant strategies ended up the trial in being a little heavier, right? Correct. So over when we're looking at it overall from day one to 349, the three implant strategy had a greater dry matter intake intended to increase live weight and average daily gain. Perfect. So let's like because you broke down and 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 let's try to connect that with the implant strategies that were being used at the time. So first period, even though there were different implants, similar performance. Let's call mm -hmm. it that, right? Right. Second period, only the three implant strategies got the implant on day 112. And after that second period, they were 10 kilos heavier, right? Mm -hmm. And they were able to carry that over until the end of the experiment, even though the animals were re-implanted before the third period started. So what is telling us here is that giving that second implant in the middle of the two implants made that the animals were eating more and then were gaining more. And then they ended up in being a little heavier than the two implant strategy group. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Perfect. And because they were, they were eating more and I mentioned they were eating more, they were gaining more. When we look at feed efficiency or energy utilization of their diet, they were actually similar, right? So Right. Though that gain was being driven by the increasing energy intake of this three implant uh, group, right? Correct. Great. That's pretty good, Brooke. I think we, we summarized, but before we finish, can we just go over to the carcass characteristics of those animals? Yeah. So the one difference that they saw was uh, that the ribeye area was larger for the three implant strategy. And when they looked at the quality of their the, the animals, 68% graded choice while 21% graded prime. So overall, 89% graded choice or higher. That's that's a very, very important point. Uh, the greater ribeye area is probably being driven by that greater final body weight. Mm -hmm. uh, but the greatest point that we were making here is that almost 90% of those animals graded choice or greater, uh, which means that when we use appropriate implant program we do not have negative effects in carcass characteristics. And we've seen in the two previous episodes as well. So it's, it's very 
very, very important to mention that again, uh, if we slaughter cattle at the right time, even though they're implanted, we do not have a negative effect of by using implant or not. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty good, Brooke. Am I missing something? Is there anything else that we should talk about? No, I think that covers everything for this paper. Pretty good. Very simple paper, straightforward, just giving us another uh, tool in the toolbox when we talk about using implants, right? Right. Yes. So for those of you who are listening to our podcast, if you have questions, suggestions on papers, please send an email to kettlecalucd at gmail.com. Uh, call only with one L. If you have uh, other suggestions about research for us to cover, if you want to receive these research papers, send an email with the number of the episode and the title as well. Then we can send you the, the research paper. And if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, it's free and we are sending that every month where you can visually see the summary of this research paper. We will send that out every single month with the descriptions of our other episodes as well. So please don't hesitate to contact us. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. A cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.